What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back with another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 58. Woo! Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad that you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you got to do. Head over to this like subscribe button notification button look us up on apple and spotify like subscribe there put us in the notification so you never miss an episode leave the comments man follow me at mr fourth and long on instagram on facebook on twitter head over to fanatic view uh and youtube and like all our clips pages i mean we got a lot of stuff going on man you do not want to miss this thing right here this is the newest freshest thing going on baby and i promise you i want you guys to be a part of it you know how I like to get down. I like to give my motivation in the beginning because let's be honest with you. A lot of you will not be here to the end, and that's okay. I am not for everybody. But before you go, head over to YouTube, find three episodes. By the time you see this one, 58 of these things will be out. Find an episode, one, two, three episodes. Give it about 15 minutes apiece. If at the end of those three episodes in 15 minutes apiece, you do not like Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, find three more. And find three more and find three more and find three more. And continue to listen until you love me because I need to be a part of your life like I want you a part of my life. All right, let's get right into this thing, man. Here is the motivation of the day. This one comes from Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And it simply reads, do not underestimate the hole your absence would leave. Do not underestimate the hole your absence would leave. And as someone who is a mental health advocate, as someone who has struggled with depression, as someone who has thought about these dark, dark times uh, in my life, and uh, like a lot of you have, uh, this message is for you. This message is someone who is telling you that your life is worth living. This is someone who is telling you that you not being here is far greater of a hurt uh, than you being here going through some things. You have some people to help you. There are some resources there. Hell, if you can reach out to me, I'll gladly talk to each and every one of you um, if it means that your life is worth living. Uh, I know the feelings. I've had the feelings. I've had the thoughts. But I also remember that without me, there is a void that's left. There's a void to my mom. There's a void to my brothers, my nieces, my nephews, to you, to people who've never met me yet, that is waiting for our opportunity to meet, for my course to run its course, for my path to be crossed, for all the things that I'm supposed to do, the appointments that I'm supposed to make. So I'm telling you that if you're feeling this way in this season, that you will leave a void, you will leave a hole, your absence will be missed, and it cannot be replaced by anything or anyone. There will always be a void to someone. So if you're having those thoughts, if you're having those feelings, talk to someone. You're not in this fight alone. I'm with you and many others like us are in this fight together. We're set to lean on one another. Iron sharpened irons. We're to be pillars to keep each other's houses up in the time when you get weak. So I just want you to know that your absence is valuable. Your presence, excuse me, say your presence is valuable. Your absence will leave a hole that is unimaginable and it will never be able to be filled. All right? So keep fighting. Keep loving yourself. You're worthy. You are important. Um, we love you. I love you. If you hadn't heard it yet, Jay Holly loves you. I promise you I do. Um, and if I could give you a hug, I would. If I can give you an encouraging word, play this back over and over and over again um, if it helps you because I don't want your absence to be a present, uh, a present day thing. I want you to live as long as you possibly can. All right? All right, man, let's get into the conversation. The Cowboys have elected to keep head coach Mike McCarthy in his same position for one more year. Like, as you already know, Mike McCarthy has one more year left on his contract. And this is a conversation, this is a topic of discussion for, for not just Cowboy fans, uh, but for sports fans in general. And your feelings may differ 
from the thought process of having Mike McCarthy at the helm, giving him another opportunity to, as they said, run it back. And I know that there's comments that Mike McCarthy made, and he talked about we have a championship program, we just don't have the championship result. And that, <laughs> and that rubbed a ton of people wrong, to even utter those words of having a championship program and you haven't sniffed anything outside of championship level past the division round. And I get it. I, I totally, totally get it. And of course, when you hear the names out there like a Bill Belichick, to some of you, that's that's an appetizing name. That's an enticing name. That's a name that you kind of feel like, well, I saw what he did for all of those years in New England and, and, and with Brady and the rings and the championships and arguably one of the best coaches to ever, ever roam the sidelines. I hear you. And then you think, oh, well, Jim Harbaugh and you saw what he did. At Michigan, they finally uh, um, break through and win the national championship this year. And you know what Jim Harbaugh did in his past at the, with the 49ers and, and took that team uh, to some great heights. And they weren't able to win it, but definitely to some heights that, um, that was respectable. And it's always in the time of, I told you guys about the five stages of grief. And, and, and there's always this time where people get really emotional. Cowboy fans uh, and I, I, I don't follow everyone's fan base. I've been around sports my entire life, uh, but I've been immersed into the Cowboys culture um, for a large majority of it these last 10 or so years. Um, and Cowboys fans, they're an emotional bunch. They, they, they are emotional. Um, they, they, will, they, will, they will get they, – a lot of them jump over the edge. A lot of them teeter at the edge. Um, a lot of them are pushing y'all over. Uh, and so I get it. There's these emotional decisions that you make. So when you hear that Mike McCarthy is returning as the Cowboys head coach, some of you are ready to have your pitchforks and your tiki torches, and you're ready just to burn down the star. And, you, and I mean, you've had it with Jerry Jones, and you've had it with the Cowboys franchise, and, and, and you've, some of you, to me, on Twitter and on the other social media platforms, in the grocery store, some of you have run into me, and you have denounced your fandom. You have said, I had denounced my fandom to the Dallas Cowboys. This is it. I am done. You, 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 were, like, you were like Eddie Murphy in Coming to America when he was trying to get the girl. He, he denounced and renounced his throne for the ruling kingdom and the heir of Zamunda. And some of you have done, some of you have said, I, that's it. My granddaddy, my daddy, my uncles have all been Cowboy fans, and they have given passes on to me, and I have now renounced my throne. I have denounced my, my allegiance to the Cowboys. I think you're a bit emotional. I think you might need to take a, just a chill pill. I think you may just need to breathe. I'm not saying that you can't be upset. I I'm just saying that some of you are absolute liars. You're just emotional right now. You're hurt. I get it. But once the draft come, you'll be right back in. Once rival teams begin to start talking about your team, you're not going to side with Eagles fans. You're not going to side with Washington fans. You're not going to side with, with Giants fans. No, you're going to defend the star. You are. You are. Just like if you were another team. You're going to defend your team, whether you like them or not. It's a toxic relationship that you guys continue to engage in and continue to renew your vows every single year to this relationship. And it's not going to change now. You may be a little hurt today. I get it. Respect. But you'll come around. But you're going to have to deal with Mike McCarthy at least one more year. And here's the thing. So I, I kind of broke this thing down, pros and cons, on what I'm thinking about Mike McCarthy coming back to join the Dallas Cowboys as the head coach and the offensive coordinator. And the first thing is we talk about continuity. Right. That's one of the pros. This this unit stays together because what you guys do not realize is when you fire a coach, a head coach, you now fire just about all of his assistants, just about all of them. Right. The thing that happened with Kellen Moore is that's very that's very rare that a new head coach comes in, especially one that's 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 the side of the ball that they're coaching, like their expertise, they're normally bringing in their guys or they're doing it themselves, right? So for Mike McCarthy to come in and then Kellen Moore be retained, that's a rare situation that Jerry Jones put Mike McCarthy in. And if you fire him, you fire the offensive line coach. And some of you might say, great, the tight ends coach, the receiver coach, uh, the special teams coach, all the, the – it just falls down the line. 
So now you, when you bring in the new guy, the thing that you now have to worry about is, is, is the language the same? Is the system the same? Are the players the same? And if there's players that you've been kind of developing to be next in line, are those players players that you're going to actually be able to use? Because the new guy may not see him, see him that way. So I think bringing Mike McCarthy back gives continuity. Um, I think Dak Prescott has had his best football year in eight years under Mike McCarthy. So there's somehow, some way, there's been a connection there. there there's been a... There, there has been a, 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 a true connection between the two. And for, for Dak Prescott, and again, feel how you feel, he's coming back next year. They're going to give him an extension. They're not getting rid of Dak Prescott. They just aren't. I get it. I understand how you feel, and you want to just and, – and, and time out on the Mike McCarthy thing. For those of you to think, because a lot of you have called Dak Prescott trash or the A-word or bum or whatever it is, like you can't have both. You can't call him trash and then say trade him for two first-round picks. Dak Prescott is not bringing you two first-round picks. And a lot of you are saying, you know, burn up the whole thing, trade Dak Prescott, and go move up and, 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 and take the bare spot. Let me just give you a brief uh, summary of how this is impossible. <laughs> Trey Lance is on our roster. The Cowboys, I should say our roster, the Cowboys roster. And the Niners moved up. Three spots. I'm sorry, they gave up to move up to the third spot in the draft to get Trey Lance. Now, they moved from 12 to three. They gave up three first-round picks. Three. First-round picks to move from 12 to three. So you're telling me that the Cowboys can move from 24th to one? The Bears are going to want your grandkids' blood to move. If the Niners had to give up three first-round picks to go from the 12th spot to the third spot, the Cowboys are going to have to – no, they're going to have to sacrifice – no, five is not – no, no, five is not enough. Five is not enough. The Cowboys are going to have to give up a blood sacrifice. A blood – your grandchildren, they're going to – the Bears are going to want your grandchildren. If you're a Cowboys fan and you have grandchildren – they're going to want their young blood. Okay? It's impossible for the Cowboys to go from 24 to 1. It is absolutely impossible. And if they were to do that, they have mortgaged their future down the road. And some of you have come out your mouths and said some of the dumbest stuff that I've ever heard in my life. Like some of you have actually said out loud in public that you would rather have a 2 and 15 season, a 3 and 14 season than going 12 and 5 and then potentially losing in the first or second round of the playoffs. How shut up. And I mean that in the most disrespectful way possible. Shut up. Shut up. You do not want to you do not want the life of a 3 and 14 season. You do not want the life of a 2 and 15 season. Trust me. You don't want that life. Because what you're thinking you're going to get, there is no guarantees in that. Give me 12 and 5 and, 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 and a playoff run and every single year. If it's first round exit every single year, I don't care. I'd rather that and there's hope that one day we'll break through the, the, the ceiling and actually win more games than for sure knowing by midseason that I'm not going to the playoff. That's a miserable life to live. And most of you who think that way, you need therapy. You should, you should check your job's insurance if you have insurance, and you should check, does the local therapist take your job's insurance? Because you need to be in sessions. If you think 3 and 13, 3 and 14 or 2 and 15 is a much better life than 12 and 5 and winning a division and having a playoff game at home with the potential to grow and go on, you're crazy. You're insane. Back to Mike McCarthy. So having Mike McCarthy in play gives you an opportunity for he and Dak to grow. Remember, this is his first year that he actually called a place for the Cowboys. This is the first year. If Mike McCarthy is worth anything, like self-worth, if, if he feels like I'm really a good coach, then what he'll do this offseason is he'll self-evaluate, he'll reevaluate this the entire offensive plan, and he'll go, what is the trend 
of the National Football League? Where do I need to look at? They hire these analytic people. They hire the next-gen people, and all the stats are, are right there at his fingertips. And I think the things that he'll see is, boy, when we were really good, we did X, Y, and Z. We, we, had, we, we had the shifts and the motions. We had route creativity. We had uh, creative concepts. Um, we, found, we found ways to run the football. We found the right runs to run the football. And I think once you collect all of that data and all of that information, I, I think Mike will then sit himself in a room with his other coaches. And they, they should. They should be able to break this thing down and go, all right, here's what we're going to do. We know that we now have an elite top-tier wide receiver in C.D. Lamb. And I put C.D. Lamb in that category. We know that we have, and at least, at least we have a very good quarterback. We have a good, very good quarterback. I'm not saying that Dak's elite, but I'm not saying that he's a bum. You're say, I'm saying that he's a good starting NFL quarterback, a really good starting NFL He's a top 10 NFL quarterback in this league. Like it or not, feel how you feel, he's a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League. You can win with that. You can win with a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League. And then I say, all right, what can we add offensively? This is a heavy offensive line draft. There are some running backs in this draft, and you know that those things that you have to do. If you noticed in the in the NFL draft in the NFL playoffs recently, there there is a this running the football is important. While we may not give it much um, um, credence and much respect during the regular season, when you get in the playoffs, it matters. The possessions matter. The the, the movement of what you're doing offensively, the rhythmic part of it matters. And so you develop that throughout the course of the season. So I think the Cowboys look at all those things, and now they're able to build on the things that they did well this year. And at the end of the day, if it all falls flat on their face, Mike McCarthy's under one-year contract. You start fresh. Um, but you have a chance. You definitely have a chance in uh, that. Um, this is a player development. There, there, are, there are players on this football team who are taking steps Right, who are who are? I think Jalen Tolbert will take another step next year. You'll have some other guys in this roster, and and whoever else they bring in, I don't I don't know who else they may bring in, but having the same the continuity allows players to take the steps, right? And, and there's young guys, and I'm saying Mike McCarthy on offense, but for all his coaching staff, um, there, there's tight ends like Stretch. They had they had the young kid that they had last year who I thought was going to have uh, a, maybe a significant role. In this thing, um, there's guys like uh, Demario Overshawn who they'll give some more uh, opportunities to. Um, I think Deron Bland he'll uh, he'll take a next step uh, next year. Jordan Lewis showed some promise the, the second half of the season. You'll get Trayvon Diggs back, and then you'll be able to continue to keep this stuff together and the staff together as best as possible um, if you're able to keep the retention of your coaches. That is important to to have the same. Um, and maybe not philosophy always, but to, to have the same voices, that they're hearing the same thing from the same people, it's important, people. It's like parenting. Parenting, all right? If, if, you're, if the message is seven different messages to your children, you're going to have a messed up kid, right? If, if, if one parent is saying this and one parent is saying that and the grandparents are saying this, who is this kid to believe? It's the same thing with coaching. You want to try to have retention because you want your messages to be consistent. I don't want a new philosophy next year because that means I have to change a lot of my thinking. I think what they have right now, and again, I know, I know it's not where you want it to be, but if you weren't going to make the absolute change to the younger generation, which I didn't think, I didn't think Jerry Jones was going to do, I don't, I don't think he trusts his franchise to the hands of a 36-year-old. I just don't. I, I just think the old man thinks like you got to have in order to in order in order to drive this Bugatti, you've had to have your license for a little while. Right. You just you just you just couldn't get out of your learner's permit. And, and now all of a sudden you get the Bugatti. Um, and that's why I thought like Bill Belichick and Jim Harwell, those guys were in play because he wants a guy who has a little bit of skins on the wall, who's been around for a little while that he can trust his franchise. with. And, 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 and to be to be honest, it's a lot to coach the Cowboys. Like, it's, it's more than what you just, just X's and O's. Like, it's a lot to deal with. And if you're not ready, it, it, this can consume you. Like, this, the, the attention, the, the, the constant, um, the media, the, the, the constant criticism, the constant, you know, like, everybody's watching, the cameras, like, 
Everything gets scraped through a fine-tooth comb. The players, like, it's a bit much. The owner, um, how he feels about certain things, it is a, it is a lot. And, and if you're not fully prepared, it could be a lot for a 36-year-old, for a 40-year-old. And, and so if the Cowboys weren't going to go through there, then, then, then I, I say stay right here. I say stay at home. Now the cons, there are cons. There are cons to this whole thing. Um, with Mike McCarthy being your head coach. And, and I think one of the cons is, and this is, uh, this, is, this is key, I'm assuming, you're going to assume, we're all going to assume, and we hope that we don't make an ASS out of ourselves, that Mike is actually going to do the work of self-scouting. Because he may not. There are many coaches in the National Football League who think their way is the best way. And that I don't have to change. I don't have to tweak. I don't have to. I just need more execution. I need these guys just to execute better. And execution is always a part of the plan, but your plan also has to be able to keep up with the evolving changes of the league. And this league is changing, and you're seeing the guys who are having the most success, and you're not in that conversation with those guys. So one of the cons is that you could have a level of stubbornness in Mike McCarthy. You, you could have a level of this is a guy who's been doing this for 25-plus years, and, and he feels that his way with the foundation of the, of the West Coast offense and building off that is the way to go and that nothing has to be changed. And if that's Mike McCarthy's thought process, then, yes, we're going to be in the same spot we were this year, next year. The Cowboys will be in the same spot they were this year, disappointed, angry, frustrated with the early exit of the playoffs, same time again, same bat station, same bat programming in January 2025, 100%. And that is a possibility because we don't know the thought processes and, and the idea thinking for Mike McCarthy. And if that's what he's thinking, then sure, yeah, you bet your butt they will be. We, we can only hope and assume that he doesn't. Um, the other con is, a coach on a one-year deal, and that's all Mike McCarthy has now is he's a, he's a lame duck. He's a sitting duck. And at times, you could kind of, um, your coaches begin to start looking at their other options. They're not fully committed to what we're doing here uh, because they know that, hey, if, if this thing goes sour, I'm jumping ship. I'm not the captain. I don't have to go down with the ship. I'm, I'm looking and working some back channel things in the middle of the season to make sure that I have job security elsewhere. Also, your players are also looking at this as saying, man, this dude got one year left. I got five years left. He ain't going to be here. Like if this season doesn't start out white hot, if this season starts out two and two, you know, uh, you know, three and two, whatever it is. And it's, it's not a dominating fashion because the Cowboys schedule next year is going to be difficult. They're going to have one of the most difficult schedules in the season. You can lose players early. You can lose players early, and you'll have a short leash because they, they aren't committed to you after this. If this thing gets a little bit ugly for the Cowboys early on, the leash could be very short for Mike McCarthy. It can be. And, and, and you know, if that happens, yeah, you can go back and say, we should have did it in the offseason, whatever, whatever it happens. But having a one-year deal left in your contract, it lends to have a short leash. It does, especially if there's some other hot names that may be available that's, that hasn't signed with the team yet or maybe a guy or two that they may have wanted. Yeah. That can be a realistic possibility. So there are pro, pros and cons, but I do think that there, are, there, there are more cons. And, and Mike hasn't lost a lot. I know what a team feels like that lost a locker room. I was a part of a losing locker room for Wade Phillips uh, back in 2010, 20, 20, 2009, 2010, whatever that was, when, when it all fell apart against the Green Bay Packers, right? The locker room was lost, uh, and, and that season wasn't a successful season. So there's a possibility that the locker room can be lost with the, co with the coach who has one year left on his contract. If you lose the, the, the vote of confidence from the players, that's bad. And your, your season is pretty much sunk at that point in time. And if that's a feeling, and the way that this offseason is going, we'll talk more about that, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for the camaraderie of the guys that's on your roster, the best guys that are on your roster. So, I mean, there's just some pros and cons of, of, of what it is for Mike McCarthy to come back. But I, I think 
I think the Cowboys are in, honestly, I do think this is probably the best decision for them. I do. I do. If if you weren't going to just scrap the whole thing and go and get um, coaches who are younger, the retreads won't work. And here, because you have to remember and understand, Bill Belichick, dictator. Jim Harbaugh, dictator. Jim Harbaugh left in the NFL, the Niners, had a good run, but he left because he didn't want to work with the front office anymore. He didn't like that relationship. He wanted more control of what they did. That's why he left the Niners. Him and Trent Bulky, they didn't, they didn't see fate eye to eye. They, did, they didn't, couldn't agree upon things that were happening as far as roster. And then Jim goes to college, and he has full autonomy to do what he wants, how he wants, when he wants uh, at the University of Michigan. Now, it may have gotten him in some trouble, suspended six games throughout the year for some of the things that happened there that he vehemently denies, but whatever. But there is something to be said about these college coaches like Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh and Dabo Sweeney and Kobe Smart. When you're winning and you're ha you have full control, yeah, you have an AD who is a boss, but you tell him what to do or her what to do. You have full outrun of everything. And I don't think Jerry was not going to give that to Bill Belichick, no matter what. He wasn't. He wasn't going to give him full control of the roster. He wasn't going to give him full control to kind of cut and move players the way he wanted to move them. He wasn't. And he isn't doing that to Jim Harbaugh either, at any cost, at any cost. And I told you guys before, everything that Bill Belichick is, is anti-Dallas Cowboy. Everything that he's – everything that Bill Belichick is about is anti-Dallas Cowboys, anti-Hollywood. This is Hollywood. The Cowboys are Hollywood. Bill Belichick was not going to go for that. Bill Belichick was going to tell the starting players, the, the, the big-time guys, like, I'll, I'll, I will bench you. That's not going to play well for Jerry. Like, remember, Bill Belichick benched his best receiver, Wes Welker, in the playoff game because of comments, not because of off-the-field activities, because of comments that he made that went against the rules that Bill Belichick had laid out. When you're in the media – for Bill Belichick, you talk about yourself, and anybody else that you talk about, you talk about them in the positive manner. Wes Welker made comments about Rex Ryan's wife's feet, and he got benched for a half in a playoff game. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that Bill Belichick benched Michael Parsons for a quarter because of something that he did not do? that he liked, Jerry would dive from the owner's box. Like, what? That, that, that would never float. So you have Mike McCarthy. He's here. It is what it is. So if those of you who are still in your emotions and decided you're going to jump ship and never turn back again, fine. There are 31 other teams that you can choose from. Have at it. But eventually they're going to have some issues that you don't like anyway. So it's, it's like anything else. It's, it's all about any relationship that you're in. It's all about what you're willing to tolerate. That's it. That's it. There, there is no perfect relationship. There's none. So whether you want to jump from girl to girl or guy to guy, uh, uh, sorry, from, yeah, from girl to girl, uh, if you're a guy, girl to girl, or however you say, if you're a guy, you know, whatever. But yeah, off that topic. Um, but yeah, there's, you got, you're, there's something that you have to deal with. It's all about what you're willing to deal with. Um, in other news, in the Dallas Cowboys, we, we, we have um, family affairs. And, and this is a topic that I wish I was not talking about. I honestly do. I honestly wish this was a topic that I did not have to talk about. Because... There are names of people who we shouldn't even know. We shouldn't even know. Not in the sports world. And nothing against these young men and women. Um, but we shouldn't know them. We shouldn't even be having a conversation about them. But we are. And here's why. I told you these things Hollywood. Cowboy country is Hollywood. And while fans are frustrated, so are family members. 
And not just any family members. Family members of the best three football players you have on the Dallas Cowboys roster. Family members of Michael Parsons. Family members of Dak Prescott. Family members of C.D. Lamb. Over the weekend, there were... The, the, the social medias were set ablaze by comments from one Micah Parsons brother, Dak Prescott's brother, and CeeDee Lamb's mother. Now, if you're this brother or sister, shame on you. I'm just talking in general. If you, if you, have, if you have a sibling or a child or a niece or a nephew that's actually like out here in this world doing great things like superior athletes or actors or actresses or whatever it is, we shouldn't hear from you in a negative way. Not about their business. Not about their business. And so over the weekend, there was Facebook posts that came from CeeDee Lamb's mother uh, and other family members that talked about Getting Dak the hell out of here. This is CeeDee Lamb starting quarterback. This is the second-team All-Pro quarterback who throws the ball to your first-team All-Pro son. And the comments are talking about that there are some people out there in the Cowboys that want to, win a, that want to win a ring. And she basically feels like Dak's not one of them. And that he needs to get the hell out of here. The Cowboys need to get, get, get rid of her son's starting quarterback. And then, of course, those conversations happen and that, that news and information gets back to the quarterback's brother. Well, what does the quarterback brother does? The quarterback brother says, if it was left up to me, which is not, thank God, Dak would be out of Dallas. He would be out of Dallas and not a part of the Dallas Cowboy franchise if it was left up to the brother of Dak, these are his words, not mine. Saying about the fans and the organization, how basically they don't really appreciate his brother, and if it was left up to him, that he would have his brother go elsewhere. But he said, My brother loves the organization, my brother loves the fan base, but I wish he was gone. Whoa. And then last but not least, there is the brother of one Micah Parsons. As you know, there has been reports coming out because Micah Parsons has gone a little bit unscathed. He has always been put atop of the conversation of praise. And very often is he actually held accountable for his lack of productivity in the playoffs. It's documented. I'm not making it up. I'm not picking on anybody. The documentation is there. And instead of accepting accountability, instead of accepting the fact that maybe your brother needs to just be better in the moments that we need him to be best in. No. Micah Parsons' brother, he goes on and talks about how the organization is sabotaging his brother and basically playing him in ways that um, will hurt his money. And saying that the organization, um, and, and it was in reference to um, an audio that came out from Des Bryant when he was on another podcast. And he was speaking about how some of the organizational things that he dealt with when he was here. And it was more so like, yeah, this is what they're doing to my brother Micah as well. That they're playing him out of position. That they're, they're using him in an incorrect way. And at times, he feels as if his brother is being sabotaged. What? First of all, to all three of you, and I try to be respectful as I possibly can to people, and I'll try to be respectful as I possibly can to you three. Not only do you not have to post those things. Not only should you have a level 
of restraint because of the position that your brothers and your son has in the organization, we don't care what you think. And you may watch this and go, Jesse, we don't care what you think. And I'm okay with that. But in this position, it is hard for me to not believe that the things that are coming out of your mouth as the mom or the brothers of these players is not the truth. Because this is not a third cousin removed. This isn't someone who was distant away from the situation. No, you're as close as you can possibly get. You're as close as it can possibly get. We've seen videos and pictures of you being around. Like, it doesn't get any closer than mom. So while mom may be venting and frustrating her own thoughts, it's tough for me or anyone else to believe that this isn't the conversation that you and CD may have had at the dinner table, Sunday dinner, at the house, just chilling. When you come out and you say that, oh, I will wish my brother was elsewhere and yada, 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 it's hard for me not to believe that that's just not your opinion. Maybe that's a universal opinion. Maybe your brother did say that. Maybe that's actually how he feels. If, 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 if the thought process of, 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 of your brother not being played in the proper position or being sabotaged, and, and, and it's hard for me to believe that's just your opinion. Now, uh, the, the representation of Micah Parsons had already come out and had Micah, they drafted up a tweet, and Micah came out and basically said, the thoughts and views of my brother, and he said, he didn't say my brother, he said his entire name, Terrence Parsons Jr., the thoughts and views of his are not mine. He is not the same individual as I am, and we don't, we don't, we don't speak the same. You've created, all of you, an unnecessary distraction to your loved one's life. Now, whether it's true or not, this conversation is circulating around the Dallas Cowboys locker room. An organization, without a shadow of a doubt. You think that this, is, this has been on national, this has been a national conversation. You think at the next meeting that this isn't brought up to Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy? You think at the next meeting that Stephen and, and, and Jerry and Will McClay aren't having this conversation about these comments? Now, how, for how long or how much uh, uh, credibility they put to it? They're having it. You think there aren't pockets of group texts amongst the Cowboys players in locker rooms that are passing this conversation around and saying, oh, shh, holy crap, bro, yo, did you see? Have you heard? Look at this. Yeah. If you thought there were tension before between quarterback and receiver, receiver and quarterback, star defensive player and organization, if you thought there wasn't, or there were before, you've only added flames to the fire. On top of it all, you playing with the bag. All three of these guys are looking for new contracts. And we'll probably get them. But don't mess the money up. Don't mess the money up. Don't, don't, don't start using bricks to throw at the glass house. And you ain't, you don't mess the money up. Don't give them a reason to not want to give the money or give the money reluctantly or begrudgingly. Don't do that. There was a conversation years ago. Jay-Z even used it in one of his verses between, the, between Minister Louis Farrakhan and, and reporter Mike Wallace. And the famous quote is, I think you should keep quiet. If there is anything that I can say to any one of you three, I, 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 I want to say it in the tone of the minister, Louis Farrakhan, I think you should keep quiet. That's what I think. 
I'm not saying that you can't have, well, it was my First Amendment, my, my right to free speech. Great, fine. There are consequences to that. That a lot of you who are making the comments, who are making the free speech, don't have to deal with. We're not going to see CD's mom. You may see Tad Prescott around. You may see Terrence Parson around here and there. They don't have to answer the questions. They don't have to go in the locker room and face those men. They don't now have to make the uncomfortable text call conversations and saying, that ain't me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, that doesn't, those aren't my words. Micah now has to have the conversation with Dan Quinn. He now either is going to have to have it or has already had it. Of, hey, coach, hey, DQ, I don't really feel like that. Uh, hey, Mr. Jones, hey, Steven, hey, Jerry, like, that, like, nah, that's not me. That's them. There, there now has to be an uncomfortable conversation between Dak and C.D. Lamb. Now, I don't know. I don't know when they're going to meet. I assume at some point in time they're going to meet to throw routes together. How does that like? It's like that meme of of like uh, of, of 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 Diddy, and he's like staring at the other guy, like, and they're going back and forth with the stare. Or there had to be an uncomfortable text or FaceTime between the two. Now Dak has to go and have the uncomfortable conversation with the with the Joneses when he's trying to work a contract out and go, "Are you committed to the to Dallas?" Because your brother said that he wished that you weren't even here. That he wished that you wasn't even a part of this franchise. So, like, where did that come from? Because we know that you and your brothers, your brother, your family, you're, you run a tight, tight, tight community. And we know that your brother is one that, that is very close to you. So... How close do you feel to the sentiments that he put on social media? Are you kind of agreeing? Not at all? Like that conversation now had to be had because you couldn't, you could not refrain from posting things. And, and, and I'm not saying that you can't be a fan, but come on. This is, this is, this is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And now the brothers and the sons of you all have to answer for it. Shame on you. So like Minister Farrakhan said to Mike Wallace, I think you should keep quiet. I think your Twitter fingers or your Facebook fingers, I, I, I think... Your podcast mics, I, 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 think, I think you should keep quiet. Not just for the rest of the offseason, forever. In matters of this. You can feel a certain kind of way. But when you go to attack the people in the franchise that your son and, 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 and brothers play for in that manner, you've done no good. You've, done, you've created far more hurt than you have have you helped? There's enough fans out here who say outrageous things. Should not come from you. Be better. You're all adults. All right. All right, man. Let's uh let's let's jump around into the sports world. Um, NFL playoffs. What a great week of football, man. What an absolute great week uh in the football world. We'll start with the Ravens defeating the Texans 34-10. And I gotta give credit. I want to say congratulations to the Houston Texans. I know that your season uh, is now over, but D'Amico Ryans, um, 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 C.J. Stroud, Bobby Slowick, and company, kudos to you guys. You have created an atmosphere in Houston that make people proud. Um, I love to see it. You found your quarterback. You found your coach. The franchise is behind you. You have players. The team building is there. Congratulations to the Houston Texans. I think you guys were even, you were a year ahead of schedule. 
to even get to the divisional round, that is that probably far exceeded. And they'll probably send, they're probably like, well, all right, we wanted to win the Super Bowl. There's no way. There is no way that anyone in that organization, players and coaches and front office people alike, thought that the Houston Texans were going to win the Super Bowl this year. No way in hell. No way in hell. They thought, hey, let's win, let's, let's win 10 games this year. Let's try to get to 10 games this year. That would be an accomplishment. Not only did you do, like, not only did you do that, but you went on and you won a playoff game. That's, that, that, is, that is something to, I'm not into moral victories or anything like that. You lost, you lost, whatever it is, and the season is a failure because you didn't win the Super Bowl. But boy, did you learn about yourselves this year. And I, for one, am looking forward to what 2024, 2025 brings. I think that you guys have laid a tremendous foundation, Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans and company, um, to build upon. And it, it's, the future is bright in Houston. And, uh, man, way to go. Like, you, 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 you have a fan in me. C.J. Stroud, you have a fan in me. I'll be watching next year to see the growth and see the next iteration into what the, the, the Houston Texans will be. But you ran into a team that was ready. That, that had been, you ran into a team that you hope to do what they have been doing. They've been building and building and building over the years, and they got the pieces in place, and I think this might be the year. And you ran into the Baltimore Ravens, and they're a good football team. Um, boy, they are good. Their defense is good. And this, I'm going to be honest with you, like this has to be the year for Lamar Jackson. He has to get his team to the Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to win it. I don't know if he's going to win it. It'll be great. Um, but the Ravens, this is the time. This is the time that you have to get your franchise. And to the Ravens community, like, man, like to, to, to the Bashadis and those before him, who was it, uh, Art, um, Art, um, was it Art Model? No, whoever it was, Art, and then the Bashadis, and, and then it was, you know, it was Ozzy and, 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 and Harbaugh. Like, they've built, Art Model, like, they built – an absolute stud of a franchise. One of the most stable franchises in all of sports, not just football. And, and, and they have a brand, they have an identity, they have a style. They're built like their city. Like they're built tough like Baltimore. Like they're built tough like that. Um, and they play physical. That defense is physical. Patrick Queen and, Ro Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, they set the tone. Hey, look, linebackers. If you, sidebar, if you taking nothing else, from the playoffs thus far, boy, are linebackers important in football. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, boy, are they important. The Detroit Lions, they won because they, they're linebacker, game-winning interception. Drake Greenlaw, two interceptions. In the, boy, are linebackers important in the game of football. Hint, hint, not playing safeties at linebacker the whole year long, Dan Quinn. Anyway, but yeah, man, uh, the Ravens are, are, are good. They are good, and, and they, will, they, they are headed to the AFC Championship game like a lot of people, rightfully so, thought they would. I, I, they have to put it together. They have to put it together and win Lamar Jackson and that, that offense and, um, and those weapons. They, they have it, and they may have Mark Andrews back. Um, Mark Andrews is scheduled to be, a part of the to be a part of the team for the AFC Championship game. That's going to be huge. That has, been, that has been by far Lamar Jackson's best um, – target over the last four years at least like he is the guy so you couple that with Bateman and and Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham and and, and uh, likely I think you you got something there they even had they even had Dalvin Cook get some runs in there and Gus Edwards I mean they're, they're a physical brand of football man and then when you add it to the fact that Lamar Jackson like he can give you 100 yards rushing as well it plays to that part where you have to play 11 on 11 football like the days of you not accounting for um a quarterback, you have to account for Lamar Jackson because he can throw the ball and he can run for 100 yards. So short yardage, you know, you play man, if you play man coverage or you're playing different kind of coverages, you got to spy now. You have to spy. And when you spy and you leave a guy in to have to defend Lamar Jackson, what that now does is it now leaves open windows in the back end for guys like Likely, for guys uh, like um, Mark Andrews and others. So uh, that was a wonderful game, but shout out to the Texans. Man. You guys are you guys are in the right you're heading in the right direction, but the Ravens, it's time. 
It's time. Uh, Packers, Niners, another good football game. Close. Came down to the wire. 24-21, the 49ers defeat the Green Bay Packers. And um, just saying to the Packers, Packers were like the Texans. Not that they were like a bad franchise or organization, but I think they were a year or two away from. Um, but what you saw throughout the year, you saw a, a team early on play a lot of young guys and the growing pain show themselves um, week in and week out. And, and they just worked through it. And they worked through it and they got better and they got better and they got hot towards the end of the season. And, you know, in the playoffs, could they have beaten the Niners? If I let Tay tell it, he said, yeah, they won for four quarters. Well, they didn't win for four quarters all the way through. Um, but the Packers, you're in a good place. So, 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 so to the Packer Nation, you're in a good place. But like I've said this months ago. There's probably only one team that I think can beat the Niners, and that's the Ravens. And that's because the Ravens showed me. And while it wasn't pretty, um, they got it done. They got it done, and, and the Niners are a tough team to beat. They were out Debo Samuels for most of that game. Uh, it's a 50-50 chance that he will play in the NFC Championship game. But um, – not having him, I think, is a tremendous, a tremendous loss. The, the, the Niners have a couple of what you call force multipliers. Like they, they, they have players like Debo who, who can definitely beat you in so many different aspects. And when they're on the field, their presence alone allows other guys to be um, utilized and open and things just work better when they're on the field. Now, the one thing I will say is, is we're, we're seeing, because a lot of you had said early in the year, like, Brock Purdy's MVP, he's having a great year, yada, yada, yada. Like a lot of this is under the tutelage of, of Kyle Shanahan and just how great he is as a coach. And, 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 and Brock is a good player, but he's not in the conversation of the elites. He's not. He's good. He's good, but he's not in the conversation of the elites. He's not in the realm of the boroughs of the Josh Allens, of the um, Patrick Mahomes. Let's not pretend he is. He's a good player. And, and, and a lot of y'all owe Cam Newton an apology because what he said about certain guys being game managers is showing itself. Like, Brock Purdy was a game manager. Their defense allowed him to be in that game, but and the Packers probably dropped two pick sixes. And one, yeah, they, they, like the ones they caught against us, they dropped against that game. So... Um, We'll see, we'll see what happens there. But the Packers, you're headed in the right direction. The Niners are heading to the NFC East. Sorry, I'm through the NFC Championship game. Um, this next game, um, boy, I'm, the Lions defeated the Bucks 31-23. Detroit, stand up. Detroit, stand up. I, the Motor City fighting Dan Campbells, the MCDCs. If, if, if I'm a fan of the Texans and C.J. Stroud, I'm a huge fan of the Motor City Dan Campbells. I am. I'm a huge fan of Detroit and just the organization in general. I, I love that they gave this coach a chance. And even this year when it started out a little bit shaky, they didn't bail. They stayed the course. And, you know, earlier in the year, when things were looking pretty bad. And even last year when things were looking pretty bad. Dan Campbell talked about, he said, I, I, I grew and found so much respect for Jared Goff. Because people would have thought, and a lot of people thought, that Jared Goff just didn't fit the Motor City mold. He was more of a California guy, right? Just didn't, he didn't embody the hard hat and the gritty and the get it out the mud type of mentality. And Dan said that, you know, when we were going through that stuff, he said he could have easily folded. He said, but he came to work every single day, that he showed up and he showed that he wanted to be a part of this franchise. And he said, I grew so much respect for Jared Goff then. And he said, that at that moment, I knew that this was the guy and I would do anything and everything to support him. And it's working out. And, there, and, and, and Dan Campbell has taken this franchise from 
um, from destitute, from depths of despair, from being a laughingstock for, from being just an automatic check W on the schedule each and every year, to the NFC championship game. That is, and they haven't been there since 1991. Man, unfortunately, what does that do? That leaves the Cowboys and the Washington Commanders are the only two teams who have not been <laughs> to the conference championship since 1995. It sucks, but the truth is the truth. And the Detroit Lions, boy, they, they, that, that, that's a squad. Like, that's a team. And every time I hear the post game, and I don't have any football left in me. I don't. I, trust me, I don't. But when I hear those pregames, those postgame speeches, and I hear those players, there is a level of authenticity that is echoing through the voices of the people who are speaking. And if I had football left, I would want to be a part of that team. I want to be a part of that organization. I would want to play under Dan Campbell. Now, I don't have any football left in me. But if I did, that would be a place that I would love to just go out there and give my all to because each one of those guys in there embody the coach. Like, attitude reflects leadership. Boy, do they believe in one another. Like, not just in football, but in one another. They believe in the game plan. They believe in the, the players that are going to execute the game plan. It is a unit that is well put together, man, and, and, and I appreciate that. I, as a football fan, as a football fan who understands and knows the sacrifice that is given week in and week out, to see them have that success to me um, is key. Uh, and for the Bucks, boy, like, I mean, I know you came out of the, AFC, the NFC South and someone had to win it, but you did it. And 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 I want to give. I want to give flowers. I want to give flowers to one person, and I want to give a flower to another. I want to give flowers to Mike Evans. Um, I have been a fan of Mike Evans, the player, like for a long time, and and all Mike Evans does every single year is he's a walking thousand yard receiver, right? He's he's ten years in a row that he's a thousand yard receiver has never been done in NFL history. It's never been done. Like, that's a huge accomplishment. Now, the, the upsetting part is, here, here, here's, here's, here's how you know, like, when Deion Sanders talks about, like, there should be um, tears in the Hall of Fame, like, there should be, like, here's why you know that Jerry White should be on that tier what Deion is talking about. Mike Evans, 10 years in a row, 1,000-yard receiver, right? If Mike Evans does doubled everything he did for 10 more years, he still will be behind Jerry Rice. In yardage, I, I want to say yardage and touchdowns. If he doubled his 10-year productivity, if he doubled it, he still would be – I think he would have Jerry Rice in receptions. But I think touchdowns and yards, he would still be – he still would be trailing Jerry Rice if he played 10 more years – and had the same productivity. So when Deion Sanders talks about there should be like tears in the Hall of Fame, and this is not a knock on Mike Evans. This is saying Mike Evans is doing Hall of Fame stuff, but Jerry Rice did, he did insurmountable things. If he doubled the production, he would still be trailing Jerry Rice. <laughs> and Mike Evans ain't playing 20 years. Sorry. He's not. He isn't. That tells you where Jerry Rice is at. That tells you, and Mike Evans right now has, right, Mike, right now there are Hall of Fame people, receivers in the league, right in the NFL Hall of Fame right now, that Mike Evans has better numbers than today. Today, Mike Evans is going to the Hall of Fame. He has a championship. He'll have the numbers. If he does, again, if he does this for, if he plays for three or four more years and he continues the productivity, he'll have He'll have 13,000 receiving yards. He'll have over 100 touchdowns and yada, 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 yada. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, Mike Evans has been a, a consummate professional. Um, the only time you see Mike Evans really act out of character is when he's playing the Saints. It's the only time you see Mike, Mike Evans act out of character when he's playing um, the Saints. And, and, and um, I, would, I wanted Mike Evans in, in the Cowboys uniform for years now. And, and he's a free agent, y'all. 
So maybe the Cowboys might go get him. But Mike Evans, uh, definitely got to give flowers to you, my brother, because you, you have done a tremendous thing at the position, at the wide receiver position, just the, con the consistency of greatness that you've put up um, through mediocre quarterbacks, through playing with Tom Brady, to now playing with Baker Mayfield. You've been able to sustain that level of greatness year in and year out, and that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to do it for 10 years straight. So uh, congratulations to you and flowers to you. Now, the flower, flower, I'm not giving a whole bunch of flowers, but the flower that I will give is to Baker Mayfield, is to coming to this team after you kind of bounced around for a while. Um, you were with the Rams for, um, for a hot minute. Um, where was he at before the Rams? He was somewhere else before the Rams, right? It was Cleveland. It was Cleveland. It was you were in Cleveland. You cup of tea with cup of coffee with the, with the Rams, and 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 you really kind of just been passed around um, like one of the girls down on Harry Hines. But you came to Tampa Bay in a situation where you were kind of like, eh, well, your next stop, and you made something of it. Uh, you made something of it. You had your best statistical year as far as completion percentage. You had your best statistical year as far as touchdowns, and you had your best statistical year as far as yards thrown in a season. So a flower goes to you because you took what, what they thought was going to be a bad situation and you turned it into at least getting to the second round of the playoffs. And um, what should you get for that reward? Now, I'm not on the fan base that's saying that you should get a big deal. I'm not. Uh, I'm not there. Um, but I do think you deserve a franchise tag. I do think you should go and get a franchise tag that will give you probably about $30 million guaranteed or somewhere in that ballpark of $30 million guaranteed, a lot more than you played for this year. I think this year, like after all your bonuses and stuff like that, you may got around six million dollars or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't much. Uh, like you, it, you, you, you got, you got a raw deal that was cut um, um, by them, by the by the Bucks. But you were looking for a place to play football, and they gave you a place to play football. So I think a franchise tag, and go prove it again. So you got you got around six point eight million dollars, uh, uh, which is which is low for a starting quarterback, which is very very low. Like there's some quarterbacks that probably played worse than you um, this year that made somewhere in the 20s. So, um, but I, th I do think you earn a franchise tag. I think they tag you um, and they, 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 they bring you back next year and you're able to kind of, you know, show and prove again. But to, to Mike Evans, you get a bouquet of flowers for uh, Baker. I'll give you a flower. Uh, and then we end with the, the Bills and the Chiefs. Chiefs defeat the Bills 27-24. Uh, and that, what a, what a game. What a game. We knew it was going to be every time they played together. Like, this is, this is our era. This is the 2020 version of Manning-Brady because that's what you get. You get fireworks each and every year, every time these guys play. Every time you see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they bring the best out of each other. Uh, but, the, but, the, but the Bills, even at home, they fall short to the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen is now 0-3. Um, Quick note. Just go back to the Lions beating the Bucks. The Lions just signed tight end Zach Ertz. So they'll be adding another. Yeah, yeah. They signed Zach Ertz. Um, who, and there's a bunch of guys who practice squad eligibility um, is up that teams in the playoff can actually sign. So Zach Ertz will be going to the Lions um, to be a part of their championship roster. Um, but, yeah, but the Chiefs and the Bills, man, Josh Allen is 0-3 against the Chiefs. And honestly, if this was the year for Josh Allen and the Bills to beat the Chiefs, this was the year. With the way that the Chiefs are constructed, they, they, this is probably their worst, the Chiefs' worst roster under, under the, the, the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era. This roster is not a great roster, which is weird because they found themselves now in the AFC Championship game where this roster is not even close to being their best roster. Not their best offensive line, not their best running backs, not their best pass catchers as a group. And yet and still, the power of Patty Mahomes gets you to – and their defense is playing exceptionally well. Like, they, it really is playing exceptionally well, and, and that helps when your defense gives you a chance. Um, Mark Clayton said it last week. He said, you know, sometimes the defense – not necessarily like, you know, defense wins championships, but what the defense does, it gives – these type of quarterbacks and these type of players an opportunity to win the game. And that's what the Cowboys, I believe, failed, was when you watch these games, um, Brock Purdy wasn't great. That offense wasn't great. The defense held on, and, they had to, and, and the offense made one more play. 
Um, the Ravens, their offense wasn't, wasn't rocking and rolling. That defense held it together until the offense found a way to make some plays and made enough plays um, to win the game. And so, like, that's what this Chiefs defense has done. But there needs to, there, there, there's going to start being conversations about the quarterback, Josh Allen, and, and feel how you feel about him. But to be in that conversation, you want that quarterback to be able to get the guys over the hump, and he hasn't. Because you're going to keep running into the Chiefs. There, this, this, this dynasty isn't over. Even if Travis Kelsey decides that he wants to retire, I think they're going to go into this offseason and realize, okay, we still have to get better with options for Patrick Mahomes, whether it's Travis Kelsey or not. They, 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 they went to the season and said, oh, well, we have Travis Kelsey and we have Patrick Mahomes, and that's enough. And it wasn't. So I think they, they might be in the Mike Evans sweepstakes. They might be uh, in the T. Higgins sweepstakes. They might be in drafting some of these guys in the, in the first round. But another fantastic game. The, the Bills come up short. Um, and there's enough blame to go around. You know, you talk about brothers tweeting things out. Trayvon Diggs, another one who was tweeting things about his brother, need to get him out of Buffalo early in the year when things weren't going his right, and how he helped make uh, the football team and, and make Josh Allen so on and so forth. Well, Big Bro had a chance to make a huge play. A certified dime was thrown to him by Josh Allen. 60, yard air, 60 yards in the air, dime. He dropped it. He dropped it. So you gotta gotta be careful about those situations when you're talking about, you know, what someone did to someone if you're a brother or somebody. Um, because your brother had a chance and he didn't he didn't come up with the play when they needed the most. And and Josh Allen missed some plays on second and nine, or he missed a wide open digs underneath because he was trying to, you know, go for the home run ball. And 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 again, now you start having to have the question about the head coach. Do he stay? Does he go? Because there's only so many next year's our year type of deal. Players get expensive. Rosters get expensive. And this was the year. Um, the Ravens you're still going to have to deal with. The, 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 the Bengals will be back next year. And you can't beat the Chiefs. They're not going anywhere. And so they're, they're, the Houston Texans, they're on the rise. So you, you're now finding yourself, depending on who goes to California for the Chargers, that franchise may change. They have a quarterback already. That may change. So the, the AFC is, is not, a, not a division that you have time to keep running this thing back because they're going to consistently get good in that division. But shout out to the Chiefs, man. Um, there's something about – what did Rudy Tom Jonovich say back in the day? Never underestimate the heart of a champion. That's true. And, and, and the Chiefs are consistently finding ways to – uh, to win football games. And now they're in the AFC Championship game with the, probably the least roster they've had all year long. But, boy, this is, this is, this is going to be fantastic. Um, this is going to be a fantastic playoff. This is definitely, when you look at what the AFC and the NFC Championship games are going to be, it's going to be one that is, that is absolutely fantastic. All right, that's it for me, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Remember, hit the like button, subscribe, the notification button, be a part of this thing. And remember, uh, never underestimate uh, the hole your absence would leave uh, in this world. So continue to love and live life each and every day. If you need a friend, call me, text me, tweet me, DM me. Um, you're important. You matter. You care. I care. I love you. Um, yeah. You matter, all right? Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out!